Welcome to Deezer Update for August 21st, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Daniel Victoria. And yeah, we've got a big week here coming up. Uh, a bunch of stuff has hit uh, for this week. We've got another mm-hmm. slate of games that have been delayed. A uh, couple yeah. into later this year, a couple into next year. I will tell you about that stuff here. We've got mm-hmm. some new stuff for your subscription services. Uh, some dates here for some things. A new showcase is going to be happening uh, here in a couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, we'll have one that we won't talk about because it hasn't happened yet, but the opening night live for Gamescom happens on Tuesday. So we'll have a bunch of news next week of things that have been shown off there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do, we do have dates for a number of things here. A uh, couple of... Uh, uh, new games being announced, and Embracer Group decided to announce a bunch of acquisitions, mm. uh, including some big stuff you might have heard of. Um, we also have the full list of everything that's going to be on the Western Sega Genesis Mini 2 uh, for all the games that you want on that thing. And some other stuff here that we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to that news, we'll be talking about what we've been playing. Uh, I will start off here. Have been playing a good bit of Roller Drome, the mm-hmm. new game from Roll Seven. Yeah, I've been hearing good. I've been hearing good things about that. Um, yeah, it's the all the Ollie World people mm-hmm. that have you know been making some indie sort of skateboarding games for the past few years mm-hmm. that have been really well received. This is more based off of like those uh, 70s and 80s, like future sport kind of movies. Uh, but instead of it being, you know, like a, you can maybe liken it to a roller derby, but with mm-hmm. guns. Uh, your character is one of the new people on the, the 2030 season of the Roller Drome, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of the, very popular future sport uh, thing here where everybody's got roller skates uh, that uh, they go through these different challenge arenas and have to shoot all the uh, people, the enemies that are around and try to do that skillfully and all that. Uh, as far mm-hmm. as the uh, the way the game works, you're kind of controlling this character that is always moving forward. Mm-hmm. You kind of turn as you're going uh, to do stuff, and you have some moves. I think squares your grab button. You can use triangle to grind on rails and such. Uh, they do have some some other trick stuff there, but your circle is your dodge because you'll have snipers and some others like shooting stuff at you, mm-hmm. uh, as well as some people that can potentially just hit you with like a bat or something like that. So you're kind of using a lot of that stuff uh, pretty frequently to you know. Uh, avoid attacks as well as you know maybe uh, getting yourself out of hairy situations. Mm-hmm. And with the guns, uh, they uh, you start off with the dual pistols that have twelve ammo, and the the way that you refill your ammo is through doing tricks. Mm-hmm. And kind of the the grinding is your fastest way of doing that. Uh, but you can also you know do attacks while grinding or doing tricks and all this as you. Uh, hold the left trigger, you'll go into like a slow-mo. Uh, if you do get a perfect dodge and then go into slow-mo, you get like a super slow-mo. 
It lets you get uh, some more stuff done while you're uh, aiming at enemies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the stages that you go through, they have a series of like 10 challenges to complete. Uh, you don't have to do them all too advanced, but you do need to do some of them as it'll tell you like, oh, you need you know, to get, you know, X amount to open up the next tier of stages kind of thing. And then from there, it's like, oh, there's more that you need to do. Uh, and there's a couple that are generic between them. There's like combo tokens that you can collect, five of them. Uh, there's always a trick token that you have to do, a specific trick that the challenge asks you to do. Uh, there are ones for score challenges, as well as like a time challenge kind of thing. So uh, you're encouraged to, at least the first time, to just try to get through the stages. Uh, if you uh, fail but complete a challenge while you're before you die, uh, mm-hmm. that counts. It doesn't, you know, reset it uh, for successful runs. So you're definitely kind of encouraged just to try for what you can while you're trying to beat the stage. But uh, from there, you're kind of just uh, trying to get everything, trying to get higher scores. And the, the scores I've been getting, they, uh, they'll they show you, a, you know, a score meter filling up and uh, telling you like, oh, this is like a, a D rank score or C, I think all the way up to S. And I've been getting lots of Ds. So uh, kind of just focusing on completing challenges and all that. So then you can start working on, you know, actual score stuff and there are leaderboards for it. Uh, but yeah, you can tell there's definitely uh, a hefty bit of anti-capitalist vibes to the game. Oh yeah. As you can see a lot of like little story stuff popping up. Yeah. About the, uh, the state of the games where like the, the people are running the games have partnered with uh, some police. Uh-huh. Uh, that seems to not be going well with like the the TV station covering the whole thing. Uh, at least people there, as you can see them with like posting notes on a a big board, like trying to figure out like where everything fits in, uh, how corrupt everything is, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, so yeah, there's that stuff going on in the background, but yeah, the the game itself was pretty rad. It it works really well. The uh, sort of uh, flow state you kind of get into as you're, you know, seeing, you know, sniper aiming a shot at you and dodging at the right time for a perfect dodge that gets you some ammo back so you can switch over to the, the guns I have right now are a dual pistol, a shotgun that has a, a special mechanic to it where you're... Uh, uh, your little cursor has like two uh, bars coming into the middle. Mm-hmm. And if you hit it at the right time, you get like extra damage off of it. Yep. Uh, and some enemies have shields and that can help you take those down quickly or just take enemies down quickly. And then I also have a grenade launcher. That is one of those kind of weapons where you can do it when you're real close up to enemies, but you'll take damage from that. And so you get into a groove of like, oh, shoot this here, then dodge so I avoid damage, uh, that kind of stuff. And the way that you get uh, health back is by killing enemies, and they drop uh, little health vials that fill you back up. So there's a, there's a good flow state in there of uh, taking out enemies, going by to pick up health so that you can go after others, and some will teleport or pull up a, a shield. 
mm-hmm. when they take damage. So there's there's there gets to be a lot of stuff going on with this game as you're trying to get through stages. Yeah. Uh but it's it's a lot of fun when you get into the good good kind of mindset and flow there uh with all that stuff. So that's uh that's been a lot of fun and for the launch period uh it is I think 34% off for PlayStation Plus or Steam users. Mm. Uh, so you can get it for about just under 20 bucks instead of 30 bucks. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely a good time to grab it if you're going to grab it uh, yeah. for that. So yeah, definitely recommend that. Uh, let's see what else I've been playing. Curse to Golf. This is a golf roguelike that is uh, about a golfer who's about to win the championship is on the 18th hole about to take his final shot to win and get struck by lightning and killed and sent to golf purgatory in the afterlife. And he has a chance to get back, uh, but he has to uh, survive the 18 holes of this golf course that uh, are broken up into, I think four biomes, three or four biomes that each have a boss, so the first one you're facing the Scotsman. Uh, the second one's the Explorer. I haven't gotten to that one just yet, but uh, once you beat the boss, you don't have to beat them again. You don't have to do like a, a run through all the bosses because they are a special type of stage where you're not only trying to survive with shots available, mm-hmm. uh, they're also on there, so you're kind of uh, trying to hit uh, special statues that will uh, pause them for a turn, stun them, uh, that kind of thing. And so I think that would be just a little bit too much to make you do that every single time. So you just do it once and it adds just a, a fifth stage that you have to beat as you're trying to get to the, the second area uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, you're running through uh, different hazards. You know, you got water, uh, bunkers, you got, uh, there are graves in the first biome. It'll just grab your ball and pull it in, and then you lose a shot there. Uh, but you can get uh, these cards, ace cards, they call them, that can you know refill your shot meter uh, or your shot counter. Uh, can give you different kinds of bonuses, all that kind of stuff. So you're kind of trying to keep a healthy mix of cards. Uh, but when you get to the shop, you can put stuff in a binder and save it for a future run, that kind of thing. Uh, but I believe after you beat, beat each of the bosses, you get a special ability, uh, which for the first one, you get the ability to lay down like a checkpoint after beating a stage so that if you fail on a a future uh, attempt at a course, you'll just respawn right there. So there's the challenge of trying to get it, it you know far enough in where you don't have to restart too much, uh, but also in a place where you have a good opportunity to uh, make up for mistakes you made. So there's a lot of little strategy with that. Uh, but yeah, the, the action, all that works really well. Uh, maybe the, the one issue I have with it is that the, uh, the camera isn't super great. It's very zoomed in and I sort of get that they don't necessarily want to let you have like a free roaming camera, but, uh, when you're taking shots, uh, sometimes you are kind of just unsure enough of what's ahead, uh, especially when you're trying to aim your shot 
that it can be a, a little tough uh, making good shots, though you do have potential cards for mulligans and uh, taking practice swings, so uh, there are opportunities to be able to get around that kind of stuff. And they do give you a bird's eye camera and let you kind of zoom around the uh, the course itself and see what uh, hazards are ahead, but you can't do that while you're actually trying to make a shot. So yeah, uh, adds a little bit of extra difficulty there. Though luckily, from the uh, time they were doing the demos during uh, Steam Next Fest, uh, that one had the bird's eye camera being timed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only use it for like thirty or sixty seconds total, and they've gotten rid of that because I think that would just be one step too far and adding difficulty to it. So. Uh, that game's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to put some more time into it. And uh, yeah, that's out on everything, I believe. Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Uh, seems to run pretty well on my PC. It's not super intensive. Switch might be a little bit more iffy, but I think everything else should be just fine. For that one, that's 20 bucks. Uh, base price, I think Steam might have a 10% discount for the launch, so be able to get that for 18 bucks. Uh, let's see, also been playing We Are OFK. I've played the first episode. The, mm-hmm. the first two are out right now. And I think the other three are added in every week for the next few weeks. Uh, I've played the first one. The nice thing they do is like, you know, on a, a Netflix or HBO Max or whatever, uh, they tell you like, oh, this will be about like 55 minutes for this episode to play through. And it seems to hold pretty well to that. Uh only real issues if you're just sitting on, you know, dialogue screens or whatever. Uh, they do have options for keeping like the 10 second timer for critical dialogue stuff, or just having that infinite so you can uh, kind of think a little bit more. But from what I played in this first episode, you don't really need to worry too much about, you know, dialogue choices. Uh, I don't know that that's going to change too much. And I don't think there's anything that's being talked about in the dialogue that seems to suggest there's going to be like massive changes from any of this stuff. It all seems like, you know, friends bullshitting with each other kind of thing. Uh, But yeah, it's kind of a, they describe this, this game as like a uh, music biopic of a band that is forming. Uh, called OFK in the first episode. There's no band just yet. You're just kind of learning about these different characters and their life situations. I assume by the end of episode five, they will have formed a band and done some music together. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the, uh, it seems like each episode is going to have its own uh, song to it. And this one is a pretty well done song or one character is performing. And then another Characters kind of in like a dreamlike state that they are just doing a bunch of weird stuff, uh, running around collecting things and, you know, doing a bunch of weird stuff makes for a really interesting, like, uh, audio visual experience, uh, for that. And the game seems to have a lot of, uh, trophies to it. Uh, some stuff that, uh, makes me kind of want to, you can kind of even set up profiles, you know, like you would on a Netflix so that, uh, decisions or things you do in one run can uh, 
be done on another in different ways. Mm-hmm. There's some trophies like, oh, go through these DMs that are on the main menus before completing this episode. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that was there. And there trophies for doing it afterwards because I, I assume they're just like DMs between these characters that uh, are, you know, different depending on when you look at them. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as you're going through uh, the episode, I was like, oh, we're on this character and. They're talking to this other person, bullshitting and all this, and another person who works on a dev team is like a writer, and they got like a big esports event coming up. So, like, hey, we need you to crunch this weekend and write a bunch of copy for this new character we're introducing. And they're asking, like, well, do I get any uh, say on the backstory? Like, no. Like, then why do you need me? And maybe some drama goes on with that. And they they do mention like a real uh, like video game hotline, video game dev hotline for like burnout and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's uh, the character might uh, tap into uh, to get some advice and bounce, you know, feelings off of somebody. So there's some really interesting stuff going on here. Uh, in the end, it's kind of just a narrative adventure game, but it's about a topic mm-hmm. of sort that none of these other ones, you know, tend to talk about. Yeah, uh, where it's like twenty somethings who are in weird stages of their life, feeling like failures, or you know, being abused at work with like yeah. crunch and all this, and uh, n- wanting to make music and not knowing how to do that. Or not having any confidence in their what they're making. So, yeah, it's a, a lot of neat stuff. I'm looking forward to putting some time into the second episode, which also says it's like 52 minutes or something like that. So it's not it's not a huge uh, time, you know, sink there. So that's pretty neat that I've been enjoying that. And the last one's Fortnite, mm-hmm. particularly because they have added this week. Probably one of their biggest properties yet, which is Dragon Ball. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, or no, it's more super than anything because it's Goku, Vegeta, Beerus, and Balma. Uh, Balma is a weird choice. Same Beerus, I would have put Piccolo and Gohan because they're those two are the sort of featured people in the new movie. But yeah. I don't know, maybe we'll add them later on. Uh, I think they're doing a big event here for like the next month or so. Mm-hmm. So. They got time if they're going to add it, but yeah, right now you can get uh, packs of uh, characters and stuff. Uh, I believe it's Goku and Beerus are packaged together, and then Vegeta and Bulma. Uh, and you get different styles for Goku and uh, Vegeta, depending on whether you want Super Saiyan or Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan or uh, Ultra Instinct. I think Vegeta has. Is Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, and then there's like an advanced version of that where it changes the shade of blue slightly from like teal to blue. Do they still call them that? Because uh, I know in the in that movie when they first introduced them, yeah, the blue hair was uh, Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, but when they retold the story in Dragon Ball Super, they actually renamed it Super Saiyan Blue. Yeah, I think they do say blue, but I okay. just say Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan because it sounds as dumb as it is <laughs> of them figuring out like, we need another power level above this. 
what do we call it? Well, they're getting the power of the Saiyan God. So <laughs> Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan. Uh, so yeah, that's then Ultra Instinct is, doesn't look great because it's gray hair. Whereas in Super, it's kind of him with like uh, his black hair, but with like a shine to it, a like weird grayish shine to it versus it just being gray colored hair. Uh, it looks a little weird. Also, Goku's head is huge in this, uh, in Fortnite. So it just looks a little weird compared to other characters. Uh, there's just something weird, like Goku's model is just huge. Uh, though I typically play with, like, Aloy or uh, who else? Obi-Wan. So yeah. I think they might be more based on real people-ish kind of proportions. So those might look more normal versus Goku, who looks like almost kind of a mascot and a level of big head on his, uh, his noggin. Maybe the hair doesn't help with that. Uh, but yeah, that's, they have a special little area that is all, I'm going to call it Dragon Ball Adventure Island, uh, where you can go and collect, uh, little capsules, uh, for XP. And then you do various little quests to get Dragon Balls and then, at the end, you call up Shenron to do something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't. I think you're supposed to get a Shenron glider, but it didn't unlock for me for some reason. It doesn't take more than like 10 minutes or so. So I'm going to do it again in case I mess it up. Because uh, it just popped up a like a weird little question, and I hit. It, I was just hitting the button to skip through dialogue. I didn't realize I was making a choice there. So maybe I picked the wrong thing. I don't know. But. Yeah, it's uh really neat. Uh might I have Goku and Beerus, I might get the other one, but uh they do have like a special items pack as well that you can get the Nimbus Cloud as like your glider, which I might get, and then, then there's the, the Roshi shell as sort of your back bling uh, that I think is pretty well mm-hmm. done. So yeah, that's been uh pretty much what I've been playing. So Brandon, how about you? Well, uh, pretty much all of my games are up and played by you, like a dragon. Um, and uh, I'm now a little past midway through the game. Um, and I would, by the way, I would tell everyone who's play, who wants to play it: um, when you do play it, do not um, do, do not like neglect all the side story stuff. Not just because, you know, it's all goofy and a lot of it is really fun and extremely deep, but because you're also going to need, like, the experience and stuff that you get from those uh, side stories when you go through the main story. Because by the midpoint of the story, it starts getting, the enemies you start fighting start getting a lot stronger and more difficult to kill. Um, so, uh, like, among other things I've been doing... Um, one of the like side uh, things that you can do is basically a straight up like business business management simulator where um, you end up finding that uh, there's this company that is um, it's essentially it's a confectionery company that makes rice crackers and you know it's basically on its last legs and Ichiban basically says uh, you know what why don't I be the president because that's how shit works in this game. Um, and they're just like, you know what? Screw it. We've pretty much tried everything else. We might as well let this guy 
become president of the company. And so then what you do is you then have to, uh, you know, uh, hire and fire people, you know, sort of lay people off sometimes, sort of upgrade them and give them bonuses and promotions based on their strengths, sort of position them where they'll work best. Um, and you also will like, uh, have the chance to like buy other properties so you can essentially work into becoming like a conglomerate and, uh, trying to ultimately your ultimate goal is to get your stock, uh, your company's stock price to the very top of the stock exchange. And, um, among other things, uh, one of the things you have to do in this game is that you, every, I guess every few business days or whatever, you have to do a shareholders meeting where you have to like give a sort of like what the financial situation is. And then you have to get a group of your employees who you're going to make as sort of your board of directors. And then they have to uh basically have the ability to shout down anybody who is like ultra pissed at you because of whatever the particular business situation is at that point um and you know if all else fails you can basically do a thing where you can just get uh each bond to basically just you know vertical dive out from behind the table and kowtow on the floor floor and give his most sincere apology he can <laughs> to all of the angry shareholders. And I mean that quite literally. He basically jumps out like a spring and then pretty much belly flops onto the floor and does does like the full-on kowtow. It's just one of those goofy things that this game does. There, there's other stuff, too. Like, you can, uh, if you want to, like, raise up certain uh, stats and aspects, there's a place, there's like a, vocational place where you can pay to take like a vocational test uh stuff like that that'll like increase your stats and uh yeah it's it's very easy to get lost in all this other stuff and completely neglect the campaign but the actual plot is also incredibly good so you know that also that um also uh, the the game uh, as i've come to realize the game really does kind of play a lot like a classic Dragon Quest game, mostly due to, like, the job system. Um, a lot of your characters, because, you know, you're basically all unemployed, um, you can go to this place called uh, Hello Jobs, which is like a, I guess, kind of like a, a government service or program that'll help you, like, get another job. And jobs that you'll get will include things like bodyguard, foreman, musician, host or hostess. Uh, the female characters that you get in your party can actually be a, what's called a quote-unquote night queen, which is literally just a dominatrix, um, with all that implies, um, and a bunch of other stuff. And it's also, like, even the battle is suitably wacky like Dragon Quest is. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much been everything I've been playing, been my entire gaming for this week, so... Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, like uh, I just wanted to quickly mention that um, it is funny you mentioned that particular side quest point with Yakuza Like a Dragon because like that is probably one of the side quests I did not care about at all just because like I didn't get it. And um, the only reason why I went back to it, I mean, yeah, the I'm pretty sure you, you know why you have to do that uh, quest line, Brandon. So like I'm not mm. going to like uh, go and go into it in, in too much detail. But yeah, eventually like you kind of have to for the sake of like surviving. 
So, yeah. um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I didn't really find it that enjoyable and it was probably like my least favorite of all the side quests that you have to do there, but yeah. yeah. Um, well, the the trade off is, is that if you're not into like management type simulation stuff, it's, um, yeah, it can be a little tedious, but the, but the trade off is that you also can get, is that if you do it well enough, you get a shit ton of yen out of it. So, oh yeah, and like especially with this game because uh, money is actually pretty hard to come by. So yeah, extremely yeah. so much so that you're basically reduced to having to search around like vending machines to find chump change. So oh yeah, um, I remember just going through the sewers and like pressing X and all the shinies that I saw. So yeah, yeah, uh, that was that there. But anyway, um, as for what I've been playing, um, like Chris, I've also been playing We Are OFK. Uh, mm-hmm. They released the first two chapters this week, and I played through both of them, and then. Um, like he also said, part of um, what I really liked about it was uh, at any point in uh, in the game, you can tell like how many minutes left you have in that chapter. So it kind of like gives you an idea of like, okay, should I stop here or should I just keep on going? And you know, it it, it has sort of that YouTube Netflix feel, just even when you pause it and stuff like that. And they're pr- really really accurate about you know um, uh, having that done properly and. It is rather useful, just in case, like, you know, need to be, obviously everyone has stuff to do and there's no way to really know where the plot is going. But anyway, as for, like, what I think about it so far, like, I'm not really sure I actually like it. Um, just because there's not really much to do. Uh, all you're really doing is texting. And, you know, you're not actually really texting. You're just, you know, choosing dialogue choices for the story to move forward. And also, as Chris mentioned, like, um, there's there doesn't appear to be any sort of butterfly effect. Uh, the game is pretty much just telling its story and like you're just there to experience it. And the one time you do have control over anything is with the music video that happens in every chapter. So in the first one, like you're going through like an arcade and like uh, collecting all these uh, items. And in the second one, it sort of puts you in the same situation, but with another character and you're moving around in third person, just trying to like walk into other versions of you. Mm-hmm. Um because the game is about, you know, making it in the music industry, like, that's really a central point to the game. But it's unlike, for example, Sayonara Wild Hearts, where that was totally a rhythm game. Um, this one is just, you know, totally narrative. And um, even though, like, I don't really, I can't really say I like it that much, I do like its style of storytelling. Um, I guess it's similar to a game like uh, Coffee Talk, where, again, it's really all about... Uh, dialogue choices and going from there. But the fact that you don't really have much control over where the story goes is just a little bit weird. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of themes here that make it uh, a whole lot more interesting than just your typical gaming story. Um, When you're playing the game and when you start a chapter, it kind of like feels like an episode of something you'll see on TV. And, um, you know, you'll see the, the, the credits that way. And, uh, things of that sort. And what, what, what really keeps me in is honestly just the visual style of the game. Um, it looks really, really nice. Um, and like the, the characters, um, even though like they're all just pretty much like, you know, I don't really want to say bullshitting each other, but you know, they're in their, in their mid twenties, early thirties. Um, and you know, those of us who are of that age, like understands what the struggle is like, you know, you're going to know people who are successful at your age. You're going to know people who aren't as successful and the main pull for me was that uh, two of the main characters work in the gaming industry. One is a writer, uh, the other one as uh, something more uh, technical. Um, and then uh, one of them ends up um, 
one of them ends up um, having to, you know, make a decision about whether he wants to do something else. And again, you don't really have any sort of uh, leeway as to where the story goes. So you go from there. And part of what made it interesting for me is this is a bit of a spoiler. But again, like, I don't think any of us are really doing the game any justice by, you know, um, giving a conversation. So, like, you kind of have to, like, um, know what you're getting into. But for the main part, at least for me, going into uh, chapter three, which comes out next week, you're you're using three characters. And just from uh, from what I've played, like, um, all of them are all of them are gay. So, like, you know, I can't speak as to, you know, the authenticity of how it's being um, of how the story is being portrayed with each of these characters. But there is like a sense of agency that I get when I reply a certain way and then I hear like the other friends um, replying in, in their own ways. And it really just uh, gives you a different sort of um, agency to really just understand where it's all going. Because like, um, like I said, like you're, you're just along for this ride. You have no actual control over what's going to happen. And um, obviously like this... Uh, this series is going to end with them forming the band, but we haven't gotten there yet. And that, 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 that's one of the main reasons why I don't really know whether I like the game yet, because um, even though the story is being told pretty well so far, um, I don't feel like we've made any sort of real progress uh, going from chapter one to chapter two and, you know, going into three. And part of like what is really keeping me in, aside from the fact that, you know, uh, I do enjoy the, progress of one of the characters is one i mentioned the graphics and then two it's probably going to be an easy platinum right you know it's 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 very much a walking simulator there's one trophy you get for pausing the game another one you get for unpausing the game another trophy you get for watching the the credits in their entirety so yeah it's like these little things that are eventually going to going to going to pull me in that way but as for the game's actual value and seeing what these developers can do in the future with other projects um i'm just not quite sure but I do know that, you know, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing it. I just don't know whether at the end of the year I would say this is one, this is one of the better indie games available. But, you know, not, not, not every game has to go for that sort of uh, stride. And uh, I do think um, it does a lot um, for, you know, certain, um, certain audiences that I may not be a part of. But, you know, um, like Chris said about, like, the, the hotline to get help or whatever it may be for things like um, crunch and, you know, other things that actually help people in the gaming industry. Uh, that is a pretty cool, pretty cool thought there. Uh, I've also been playing live alive. I've made a whole lot more progress than I did in the previous week. So um, I finished the, uh, the Shifu chapter. Uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, the guy that ended up being my protege was like the one that was kind of a wimp. And I didn't realize that, um, the way the story moves forward depends on how much time you spend on each pupil, because I was always trying to um, be even with all of my students. But then when you do that, you also have to like, you know, spend some points on other characters. And I just spent points on the weakest character when I probably should have been spending points on the strongest character, yeah. but you know, <laughs> whatever it may be. So I, I was able to finish it and it was hard. And the only reason why I was able to do it was because I ended up, uh, removing all the gear from my shifu and giving it to uh the other guy but you know i got through it it was pretty cool seeing the boss be as big as he was it definitely gave me um octopath traveler vibes because all the bosses were just huge for absolutely no reason and it, it, it was hilarious doing that um i also got through the pre the prehistoric uh chapter this one was pretty funny because there's no actual like uh written dialogue here everything is just done with the 
the 2D sprite animation you see, as well as just the way um, everybody acts towards each other. And like, you know, they're cavemen, you know, just going to be a whole lot of ooga boogas here. And uh, it was it, it was pretty fun to see. Um, after, um, after I finished it, um, I was, I don't know, like it, it was definitely like uh, the funniest part of the game for me. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if the if the chapter ended with the with the character, like, I don't know, having sex, but I was like, yeah, I was cheering for him. Like, good job, dude. So yeah. that was pretty cool. The ape was pretty funny. And then there was that. And then I moved on with the, the modern day. Uh, and this one caught me totally off guard because uh, the game ended up turning into a fighting game. And yeah. because of that, it ends up being like the shortest chapter in the game. Cause all you gotta do is fight like six or seven battles and none of them were really hard. And I was like, Oh yeah, cool. This is, this, this is definitely awesome especially today when like you know martial arts movies have sort of like made a comeback right i mean you look at cobra kai like being like one of the most popular things in netflix and in pop culture and it it really gets the vibe here so um yeah um now i'm moving on with the wild west i haven't uh, done a whole lot there yet but the if if it's uh if i'm supposed to understand anything like the the first battle definitely put things into perspective because obviously, like, you know, you're going to be using a gunslinger. So I'm assuming that all of my fights are going to have to be done, done from a distance. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Live Alive is uh, definitely still fun, and I look forward to continuing that. Uh, I've also been playing a little bit of Madden NFL 23. Uh, obviously, I work at EA, so I can't talk too much about it. I'm just playing through some of the uh, Play Now modes, and um, I'm enjoying what I've played so far. Definitely feels like there's some real polish as, to, uh, as compared to launch of previous years. Um, and then I've also played a little bit of Power Watch Simulator. Uh, I did the first um, the first mission where you have to like you know clean the van, and now I'm I'm, I'm cleaning the backyard. So it's fun. It's it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely soothing. Uh, the one thing that I'm not really liking so far. I mean, um, Brandon, you you played Power Watch Simulator on Xbox also, right? Yep. Okay, so the main thing that I'm not liking is that after a while especially with the way that I handle the right stick after a while, my hands do numb up and yeah. it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of rough in that regard. So like as much as I want to be able to, you know, finish one project in a sitting, sometimes I can just have to take it piece by piece because it's just too much stress yeah. on my other. Honestly, so, uh, if I was to, if I was to give you like when you're like on the bigger projects, just sort of go around like going from like one part of the project to the next uh, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of randomly do a little bit of that and then do a little bit of the next one. Uh, cause otherwise you will get extreme. Yeah. You can kind of get a little tedious otherwise. Yeah. I mean like it's, it's, it's really about, you know, taking your project and just like cutting it up. Right. Like, so for yeah. example, in the backyard, you know, you, you got to deal with the floor and then there's the, uh, there's the barbecue grill and then there's the fence and all of that. And then like, you know, just trying to, um, trying to fumble your way through the different kind of hoses you have uh, makes it a tad more difficult, but at the same time, you know, it's, it, it, it's not supposed to be, uh, it's, it's not supposed to be like, you know, the, the funnest thing in the world. After all, you, you're, you're just washing something, but yeah, I just, I, I just try not to take it too seriously. Mm. And uh, that's pretty much my enjoyment there. And then I also downloaded multiverses cause I wanted to just try it out. Um, all I did was play the tutorial thing and it was kind of hard just because, you know, my mind is just so used to super smash brothers. And then like, when you play a game like the the Nickelodeon fighting game, where it's pretty much the same controls, like you feel like you're good there. And then when when you when I was playing through multiverses, I was like, okay, I don't know anything. I am not good, and I don't know if I want to commit to it. But I do like what they're doing so far, and I'm happy for anybody that likes it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, pretty much it for me. 
All right. So, yeah, let's get to some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and first up, we'll get to a couple of the subscription services that people may have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, Game Pass here, announcing what they have for the rest of the month. And they kind of weirdly split this up for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, QuakeCon happened. And so they announced a handful of games that are coming to uh, the PC Game Pass. Mm. Uh, let's see. An Elder Scrolls Legend Battlespire, which I'm hearing is considered the worst Elder Scrolls game uh, for that. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like it's kind of a f- arena fighting kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. So that seems like the last thing you want to do with uh, uh, one of the older style of Elder Scrolls games. Yeah, um, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Elder Scrolls Adventure Red Guard, which I believe is not battle focused, so that's yeah. probably a little more interesting for people, especially if you're into the uh, the Red Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else here. Wolfenstein 3D. If you haven't played that, there you go. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> if you have not played that, then you have, have you pretty much not experienced PC gaming in its entirety yet. Yes. Yeah, not yeah. to mention these games have not aged well, so if you try to play them now... No, you're they have not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one's probably aged pretty decently, sort of like Doom, where yeah, the, the style the and all is, that... Yeah, but if you actually play that game and then play Doom, you see like just how massive Elite Four where Doom was compared to Wolfenstein. Yeah, yeah, like Wolfenstein 3D was there first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's still is fairly uh, comparable and playable in these days. Uh, though, I don't know if they have... They did console versions at some point, I think. I don't know if they're on the, the newer consoles or not uh, for that, but I know they had like bits of that in the more recent Wolfenstein games. Mm-hmm. As they were like the, the dreams that BJ would have. Yeah, and then uh, the new Colossus, there's actually like, they have a sort of bizarro uh, version of Wolfenstein that you can play at any time on, like, the arcade machine that they have on the uh, ship that, you know, the game's HQ is. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you can, uh, it's just, it's reversed because you're playing, you know, it's in that universe, so you're playing a Nazi trying to kill members of the Cosros Circle, and eventually you end up killing BJ himself as the stand-in for Hitler. Yeah. Yeah, let's see what else here. Return to Cast Wolfenstein, which is one of those weird mid-2000s uh, or early-2000s games where Activision had the uh, the rights to work on its stuff mm-hmm. uh, with w- Wolfenstein here. Yeah, this was kind of some more multiplayer-focused stuff here Well, and also had some some regular campaign stuff as well, but yeah. Uh, one of those things where it's like, ah, this is a game you probably shouldn't play unless you just want to see uh, older Wolfenstein stuff. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they ended up doing a spinoff of this game called Wolfenstein Enemy Territory, which was more focused on the multiplayer stuff. Splash Damage made that. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thing, but yeah, this 
it's one of those games like, yeah, it's all right. If you're into that era of first person shooters yeah. between uh, Half-Life and Half-Life 2 mm-hmm. and all that that entails. Yep. Where like Half-Life 2 was kind of where uh, first person shooters were in their modern era. Yeah, pretty versus, much. Versus like, how do we make uh, a better looking like Half-Life? Mm-hmm. That was more like Half Life has more like adventure stuff to it, because uh, that's what first person shooters were like in the late nineties. Because uh, mm-hmm. they, they were just done making Doom clones for a while. Yeah, and so they decided to make Quake clones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and that was also like before uh, the uh, invention of like mass connectivity. For like online play, so you had a little thing that's now a relic of the past. Past what everybody used to call a land party. Yeah, yeah. We might have to share IP addresses to connect with other people. Yeah, in the same matches. Mm-hmm. Because that's where people were fine with on uh, multiplayer. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, your game had a like list of servers. Yeah. Like a battlefield would have at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the last of the, the QuakeCon drops is Quake 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game that I think is one of those cult favorites of the series, even though everything I've seen of it is it makes it very much like the, the Prey that came out at the same time as the, the Xbox 360 launch as well. Yeah. Where there's a lot of Alien genitalia-looking portals all over the place. Yep. I was like, oh, okay. We're just doing this at this point, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that one. I think the, the last little thing is like a perk for Quake Champions to unlock the other champions uh, that is you know, available free in the Windows Store. So you can just make sure your Xbox Live account is attached to it. Mm. And you can have all that stuff unlocked without having to pay for it or whatever. Yeah. Any further? Surprisingly, don't just put that in the Game Pass app, but oh well. Mm. Uh, but that's all available now. Uh, let's see what else is here. Uh, yeah, for the the rest of the games. Uh, let's see. There's Coffee Talk that is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is sort of a uh, kind of a barista simulator where. You're, Making coffee and talking to patrons mm-hmm. coming to your shop, uh, but instead of like normal people, there's a lot of like more f- uh, fantastical characters, you know, elves and succubus, aliens, mm-hmm. uh, all that because it's like, a little bit more sci-fi-ish uh, sort of shop. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Uh, stuff is coming soon here, August 23rd, Midnight Fight Express. It's console and PC. Uh, that is a uh, sort of uh, kind of a brawler game, I guess, uh, where you're this dude who has been pulled into uh, the... Uh, it says you're a former member of the criminal underworld, mm-hmm. lured back into the life by a mysterious drone claiming... They only have until sunrise to prevent a citywide criminal takeover. Yep. It has very kind of brutal fighting kind of styles. You can pick up stuff and throw them at people. 
Uh, you can get guns, but you know only have however many bullets are in the clip. And at that point, you're just beating people with a gun uh, kind of thing, or you can find weapons and all that kind of stuff. And as you play through sections of the game, you earn points that you can spend on improving your stats kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of RPG to it, but it's got a a very unique style and look to it that uh, was fun when I played the the PC demo, uh, though that had some issues with controllers, so I'm hoping the finished game here is uh, more polished in that aspect. Uh, let's see, August 25th, Exapunks. This is PC only. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, this is another game from Zachtronics. Sort of a very detail-oriented puzzle game mm-hmm. of sorts uh, to it. You're, it says the year is 1997. You used to be a hacker, but now you have the phage. You made a deal, one hack, one dose. There's nothing left to lose except your life. So... There you go, you get to do some hacking to save your life. Uh, let's see, also, let's see, also August 25th, Opus Echo of Star Song, Full Bloom Edition, console and PC. Uh, it's a definitive edition of the critically acclaimed visual novel style adventure game. Mm-hmm. Now with uh, voice acting. Uh, so there you go. Uh, dive in and enjoy an interla- intergalactic journey that tr- transcends time through love. Mm. So that could be neat. Uh, let's see, August 30th, Commandos 3 HD remaster, coming to console and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a remaster of the sort of, it's like a real-time tactics kind of game uh, series there. So this one's been yeah, remastered with reworked 3D models and textures, improved controls, and refined UI. So that might be up some people's alleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Immortality. Mm-hmm. This is Xbox Series X and S and PC, uh, August 30th. Uh, that is the newest uh, Sam Barlow sort of FMB video searching kind of game mm-hmm. uh, where you're sort of, as says here, Marissa Marcel would have been a star. She made three movies, but none of them were ever released. Then Marissa Marcel disappeared. Yeah, you're exploring lost footage, cut your own path into the mystery, and discover what happened to Marissa Marcel in the newest interactive game from Sam Barlow, creator of her story. Uh, so, yeah, that could be neat if you're into the FMB stuff, in particular, the Sam Barlow style of like searching for keywords through uh, these videos to see stuff that may aid in your I don't know, investigation, I guess. Mm hmm. Uh, let's see, August 30th, Immortals Phoenix Rising, console and PC. Yeah, that's the, the Ubisoft game that is very much cribbing from like Breath of the Wild, uh, but set in the uh, the Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a lot of that kind of stuff to it. Yeah, it's this is probably one of the ones I... Probably the ones I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty solid game. Yeah. Let's see. Also, August 30th for console and PC, Tinykin. Mm-hmm. This is a 3D platformer. I did not get around to playing the demo. It was on Steam a while ago, so uh, that might be one to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's Milo arrives on Earth to find these way too small. Everybody's gone in a day hasn't passed since 1991. Team up with the mysterious Tinykin to use their power, unique powers to create ladders. Bridges, explosions, and a lot more. 
find a way home through a sprawling ant-sized metropolis and unravel Earth's biggest mystery. Mm. So yeah, there you go for that. And uh, yeah, then they had one more announcement that Death Stranding is coming to PC Game Pass on August 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, through 505 Games, who published the PC version. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're not giving them the director's cut version, so they get the original Death Stranding version mm-hmm. to play on there. But yeah, uh, interesting way to play that game if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. All, right. uh, all the Game Pass stuff that's happening here for the next week or so. Mm. Uh, but yeah, speaking of subscription services, Nintendo's Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack got a new game, and it's Wave Race 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the N64 app there. Uh, that is a racing game that a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not one that I ever really got into on the yeah. N64, so that was just... Yeah. Uh, that, was, I just... that game was like a... It was... That was uh, that game. You have to understand that game's like major uh, impact is the fact that that was like for so many people that was like their one and only game that they had, um, and it's also a, a, like very fondly remembered for its soundtrack because it had a really solid soundtrack for an N sixty four game. Um, but yeah, if you're not like if you if you're not really like able to comprehend some of the more comprehend like the basic idea of how you're supposed to play the game because it's not just like a regular racing game there's like other rules you have to abide by yeah it can get kind of tedious yeah yeah i mean it's it is tedious but like you know i've actually been been playing this game a little bit on steam deck um primarily because uh wave race 64 was never a game that i have owned and like you know, just 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 booting it up again. Um, if you can get by its sixty-four graphics, this game holds up pretty damn well. Um, and yeah, like a lot of it is, you know, like you said, just um, a little too much on the on the nay side. But yeah, if if, if you if you can get by those, like it's still a really solid game to play. And I I, I bet you know it would be um, a lot of, a lot of fun on the Switch too. So it's it's definitely something that. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo players who haven't really given the game a chance should definitely try because it's it's been a mainstay for a while and I'm surprised it hasn't come back, especially considering, you know, like obviously Nintendo isn't um much for graphics anymore, but in my opinion, they've always done water right. So mm. yeah. So yeah, you can check that out now if you uh have not. But uh yeah, we got some dates here for stuff coming out here in the near future. Uh, there's Ooblets is yeah. coming out of Early Access on September 1st on uh, Xbox and PC, and will also be releasing on the Switch at that same time. And that is the uh, sort of little indie sort of uh, Pokemon meets like Stardew Valley kind of thing, like all your creatures you grow uh, in in your little farm area, uh, and then you go into fights that are more like dance battles kind of stuff, so... It's got a very cutesy kind of aesthetic to it mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is pretty neat to see. Mm. I have it on Epic Games Store, and I'll have to check it out and how it's going to be full 1.0 here in uh, another week or so. 
Uh, so that's cool. Uh, let's see. Happening on September 9th is going to be uh, D23, uh, the big Disney expo. And for the first time, I believe they are having a Disney and Marvel game showcase. Uh, September 9th, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, they'll be talking about, let's see here. Uh, they mentioned new content they for Disney and Pixar games. Nothing this big. Yeah. Yeah. Disney and Pixar games, Marvel games, Lucasfilm games, and 20th Century games, uh, including all new announcements and more updates on Disney Dreamlight Valley, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, and a sneak peek at the upcoming Marvel Ensemble game from Skydance New Media. Mm. I believe that might be... Uh, uh, I forget what the... That's uh, Amy Hennig's team. Yeah, Amy Hennig's team. Uh, so that is neat to see sort of what that what that whole thing will be. Of course, people here in the comments are like, Kingdom Hearts 4... Like, I guess that could be a thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the last time Disney did something like this, I think it was 2018. Um, and like I said, like, it, it's, it's been nowhere near as big. Uh, but yeah, they, they had this in a big hall before. And then the main games they were showing were Battlefront 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, we are, like, sort of, like, this is the right time to show Kingdom Hearts 4, especially since all we've seen was that one thing from the concert you know, showing uh, Sora in a more realistic uh, world. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was, like, even hinted upon. But, yeah, one of the reasons why this is, like, a lot bigger um, is because, you know, Disney owns a whole lot of places now. So, you know, you have Marvel, we have Star Wars, as we mentioned, and, like, there's a whole bunch of other um, other games that were announced but we don't know much about. Like, there's the uh, there's a Star Wars game out of, um, what's that called? Quantic Dream. Uh, we have the Avatar game coming from Ubisoft. We have the Indiana Jones game coming out of Bethesda. You know, I'm not saying any of these are going to make it to this showcase, but this would be the right place to do it. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, there's also Insomniac's next Spider-Man and Wolverine game, though I think those would uh, be held back for whenever Sony wants to show them. Uh, maybe they'll show a little bit more, like a sneak peek thing, but I think that would probably be more of a Sony state state of play kind of thing. Yeah. And then like, you know, we, we touched upon it earlier, but I, I wonder what Amy Hennig's team over at the uh, Skydance um, new media uh, folks are working on. Uh, like, you know, they say uh, Marvel ensemble game, but I don't think it would be the Avengers because, you know, the Avengers is already a current IP that is obviously currently struggling and they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, uh, eat that up. Uh, I don't think it would be the Guardians of the Galaxy because, uh, Idos just had just just tried their hand at it, and obviously it was a solid one. So you know, it makes you wonder what what, what they've what, what they've got cooking there. Like I'm I'm hoping it's going to be a Fantastic Four, uh, or maybe even a, a different kind of Marvel superheroes one. So we'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think Fantastic Four, maybe X Men, are things that people have been thinking about for that. Uh, so we'll have to see how that goes here in almost three weeks. Mm. Uh, for that event. Uh, well, let's see. What also is happening soon on September 22nd? Slime Rancher 2 will be hitting early access. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is going to be on Xbox and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steam and Epic Game Store will be available on, on PC. Uh, so it'll be the, the follow-up to Slime Rancher, a game that did very well as a 
a little mix of like a Stardew Valley kind of farming simulator thing, but more about catching these sort of cutesy slimes and uh, finding ways to uh, harness their ability to eat random stuff for their valuable poop. Yeah. Uh, to upgrade your your little traps and such, and you could open up different areas to find other kinds of slimes and do all that stuff as you kind of worked your way around the island and uh, did all that kind of fun stuff. So yep. yeah, I'm curious sort of what's, it might just have like a, a bigger, more cohesive uh, island to explore. Mm-hmm. Cause that one had some more sectioned off areas, that kind of stuff to it. So yeah. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of this game. Uh, yep. but yeah. Let's see here. Also coming out in September. Long-awaited Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection, which was originally the remastered collection, uh, the first uh, Life is Strange, and uh, Before the Storm, getting remastered for the Switch, are going to finally be out on September 27th. Mm. Uh, Looks like Life is Strange is on the cart, and Before the Storm is a code. Mm. Uh, So you'll be able to uh, finally check that out on a Switch. Uh, but they uh, have had the collection out on PS4, Xbox One, and Steam uh, way earlier this year, yeah, February 1st. So people have been able to check that out uh, for a while, but the Switch version got delayed because it uh, definitely needed the extra work. So people have been waiting on that. Still have about another month to go, but it should finally be out. Uh, let's see here. Also happening next month, or no, in October, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. This is the 4v1 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghostbusters game that sort of features uh, none of the original team members. Uh, these are sort of a new crew, because I think at some point they uh, sort of franchise out the Ghostbusters thing so that other groups can come in and help out and do their own thing. Uh, though I do believe Ray shows up, Ray's occult books mm-hmm. shows up as like a storefront of sorts. Uh, so there is some of the original people in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get to do some four V one stuff. That is a good fit for ghostbusters. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, that'll be out October 18th for, you know, playstations, Xboxes and PC on Epic game store. Uh, for people to check that out. Uh, just in time for Halloween, a couple weeks after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, also happening in October, October 21st, new Tales from the Borderlands, the uh, the new Gearbox-made uh, follow-up to Tales, of the Border- Tales from the Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, be coming to everything, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC, October 21st. Uh, that'll be... Yeah, featuring a new main character, uh, new crew as well. A new Octavio and Fran uh, in Promethea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get to control them, make uh, narrative decisions and all that for them. Uh, so that's neat that they're finally getting that out. But yeah, I haven't really seen much of anything about this game. Mm-hmm. 
Some yeah, it's sort of- it's strange because like obviously it's a surprise, but um, a lot of people would say that the Tales from the Borderlands games are better than the original games, and you know you would think with like that kind of attention they would give this even more attention because you know like I said like it's a surprise, but it also like you know it came out of nowhere, nobody was looking for it. Also, you know, nobody was asking for it, but you know, I'm glad, I'm glad it's being done. I'm glad it's being released as soon as it is. It's just, I don't know. It's just weird that they would just put this out there with like no sort of hype whatsoever, considering how much yeah. people love the Borderlands series and all. So, mm-hmm. kind of weird. Yeah, hmm. this could be neat. Um, curious to see more about this, though. I really do need to go back and finish up the original series as I got a couple episodes in and kind of mm. took a break. So I need yeah. to get back to that. Uh, yeah, that's it for the dates. Uh, we do have some other news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the developers of Blazing Chrome, a love letter to Contra Hardcore, mm-hmm. uh, have announced their next game, Vengeful Guardian of Moonrider. Yeah. Uh, which is very much like, hey, remember how there were a bunch of ninja games on like the NES and Super Nintendo? Yeah. Uh, they're making one of those. Oh, yeah. Uh, he plays a ninja cyborg who rises up against his masters, takes on an army of super soldiers to dismantle the totalitarian regime ruling over a dystopic future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get upgrades and abilities, slash through a bunch of bosses. Uh, you may even get to get on a motorcycle, an Akira motorcycle, at some point. So uh, there you go. That looks pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks pretty awesome. It, it it definitely feels like '90s Sega, you know, Shinobi. Even I just don't see much projectiles in that little gift that they used. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I don't know if I'm you know willing to put a lot of time to it because I know it'll kick my ass. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. This is coming out sometime this fall for PlayStation, Switch, and PC. So you should be able to check that out. So. Yeah, that looks neat. Uh, Also, newly announced, uh, it'll be a bit of a weird thing with the story that's coming after this, but Private Division announced that they have uh, a new uh, partnership with Weta Workshop, who has a games division in their Mm -hmm. uh, company, uh, that they will be publishing their new game set in the Middle Earth universe. Uh, saying it's due out sometime in the 2024 fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, let's see, yeah, new game developed by Weta Workshop's Interactive Game Division, set in the Middle Earth universe of J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay, not too much in the way of details, but yeah, it seems like pretty early announcement, just that the, mm-hmm. the deal is happening, and they're going to be working for the next couple of years to uh, get this done. No dates or platforms are even announced for no. this. I'd imagine probably PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S. Yeah. At the very least, maybe there'll be a, a Switch Pro at that point. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But uh, yeah, that's uh, neat. There's going to be a new Lord of the Rings game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the next story here the Embracer Group announced a bunch of acquisitions. Uh, they announced acquisitions of like eight companies here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There is. Uh, let's see. They formed a new operative group called Embracer Free Mode. 
uh, focuses on six broad and diverse business market segments, including retro, classic, heritage, gaming, and entertainment, game development and production, devices, gear, and collectibles, community, and e-commerce, new idea and technology, incubation, and product services, production services. Some more physical and retro stuff there. Uh, let's see. First company they acquired Bitwave Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a team that has. Uh, they own all of the Toa Plan games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of a a fairly obscure sort of uh, company from way back on the, like the NES and yep. PC days mm-hmm. of sorts. Uh, they do have a newish game coming gimmick. Uh, so there's something there. Mm-hmm. But I believe they've also announced, like, yeah, we're going to be bringing a bunch of those old games to PC, at least. Uh, let's see. They also acquired Geotech. Mm-hmm. Uh, G-I-O-T-E-C-K. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of Europe's leading gaming accessory brands. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to make controllers and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also acquired Limited Run Games, mm. which is a, a big get, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has uh, a number of known people that are part of that company, like James Milkey, uh, Jeremy Parrish, and a couple other people like that. Though so I've also heard that some of the people that run that company are maybe complete shitbags. Yeah. So maybe in good company on. In Embracer Group now, yeah, so, uh, the they're Nazi loving asses. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see. I'll save this one for last. But they acquired Singtrix, which is a company that makes like karaoke software and such, mm-hmm. uh, music and audio gaming products. So that'll be a whole weird thing that they have acquired. Mm-hmm. And they'll be part of the the free mode. All these companies I'm mentioning have, are part of free mode mm. uh, brand at some point. So uh, there's Tatsujin, which is their first Japanese studio. Mm-hmm. That is led by Masahiro Yuge, uh, who's one of the... Yeah, he was the founder of Toa Plan. Mm. Uh, so they made Truxton, Snow Bros, Flying Shark. Uh, so they acquired the the rest of the that catalog separately and with Bitwave games. So now they have the guy that created that team, so they might work on stuff related to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, but uh, let's see. Under Saber Interactive, Tuxedo Labs they purchased, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Swedish developer. Uh, they created Teardown, mm-hmm. the, the voxel-based destruction game. Uh, so good for them. That's not really. That's a game that's really cool. Uh, I shame that now. Uh, that is an embracer game, so I'm glad I bought it before then. Yeah. So the money doesn't go to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they'll be working on other stuff, I guess, at that point. Oh yeah. Uh, they also purchased Tripwire Interactive, mm. makers of Killing Floor, Rising Storm, and most recently Maneater. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a. Uh, an interesting thing, uh, they yeah, they were most recently known as one of their founders that was still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, had like made a big deal about his support for 
think it was like anti-abortion stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he lived in Texas at the time, so as very much a, a big stink, and so they put him out to pasture. I don't know if he's yep. still like part of a board or no, something. No, he uh, basically changed his uh, occupation to quote unquote philanthropist. So, yeah, that doesn't mean he still couldn't be like a stockholder of some kind. It's uh, possible. Some business uh, person who gets kickbacks for things that he helped found there, but they, he's probably no longer a part of that because they've acquired 100% of the shares of this uh, company. So maybe any last link he has to it is gone. Makes it slightly better other than they're with the Embracer group. So there you go. Uh, and then uh, the big thing that happened is that they acquired Middle Earth Enterprises, mm. uh, which is a confusing thing to try to figure out what this is. Uh, but it is, uh, let's see, describe it here. Acquired Middle Earth Enterprises, a division of the Saul Zaints Company, which owns a vast intellectual property catalog and royal mm-hmm. rights to motion pictures, video games, board games, merchandising, theme parks, and stage productions related to the iconic fantasy literary works, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, mm-hmm. as well as matching rights and other Middle Earth related literary works authorized by the Tolkien estate and Harper Collins, which have yet to be explored. Jeez, uh, they mention key upcoming works at Middle Earth, which Middle Earth Enterprise has financial interest. Is the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power series that Amazon's working on? So they'll benefit from that in some fashion. Uh, let's see the animated movie, The Lord of the Rings: The War of Rohirrim, mm-hmm. that Warner Brothers is working on, set for release in twenty twenty four. There's a mobile game, The Lord of the Rings, Heroes of Middle-Earth, that EA is working on, that they will gain some amount of money out of it. Uh, Let's see, other opportunities include exploring additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn, Gollum, Galadriel, Mm -hmm. Eowyn, and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien and continue to provide new opportunities for fans to explore this fictive world through merchandising and other experiences. Uh, So, so I guess they own the Lord of the Rings completely. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, the Tolkien estate still has, you know, a sizable influence in like what things can be made, but yeah, it's just, I don't know if they're still a part of this or if this is, a company that they own wholly, or if the yeah. if what is it? Christopher Tolkien is the uh, the son who's was basically running everything. Is that still? Does he still have some control of this mm. stuff? Does he have a stake in it? I don't fully understand that because the way they describe it here, they seem to very much own all of it mm-hmm. is the, all the, the different types of property uh, seem very much fully encompassing. Mm-hmm. 
Although it looks like private division probably got it at the right time mm-hmm. to strike up a deal that they can make a new game mm-hmm. without these guys being able to decide that. Cause I assume any future game goes, uh, will be published by, uh, whatever free mode or whatever other part of embracer group they decide to do that with. Mm-hmm. Which would maybe explain why I don't think there's any Lord of the Rings characters in multiverses. Yeah. Because I think this was a thing at a, a point recently earlier this year. It was like, oh, the Lord of the Rings license is up for, you know, somebody else to mm. purchase, you know, controlling rights to that for a while. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they are doing more than that, but it's also not a super expensive deal. So mm. I don't know what... All of this is, so we'll have to see how that goes, but this is sort of their their big entrance into multimedia stuff, especially with one of the biggest nerd properties out there. Mm. Yeah, there's obviously a lot to digest here. You know, um, at the end of the day, it's just the Embracer Group acquiring, you know, even more companies to add to their portfolio as the gaming industry continues to consolidate um, its resources and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. Uh, obviously, I'm not a business person. Uh, and then, like, as someone that primarily plays games, I there isn't a whole lot that the Embracer Group umbrella uh, does that really appeals to me. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, like, out of all these companies that they've acquired, uh, probably Limited Run is the one that probably affects me the most, just because I like to buy a lot of physical content, particularly if, uh, to support independent developers. And this is a way for Embracer Group to, you know, uh, insert their wallet into it. So that that that's that's kind of a uh, kind of a bummer, uh, but we'll see how it really changes things. Um, I do know a few people that work there, and uh, they don't really anticipate too many changes happening, which is a good thing. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. But then, in regards to the whole Lord of the Rings IP, um, obviously, I mean, as I just said, like not a lot of uh, the stuff that the Embrace Group has like appeals to me. But Lord of the Rings is a pretty significant uh, franchise to take any sort of ownership in, especially in the gaming realm, and um, you know. Uh, you would think it would be their shining jewel um, in regards to like what's happening in the future. But again, like we don't know. This is a group that's been very aggressive with their uh, business decisions, but at the same time, nobody has ever really commented on what their actual strategy is. Although we do see a lot of competitors in the industry doing the same thing. But at the same time, as they do it, you know, their press releases all make sense. Whereas the embrace the group still doesn't, you know, um, but yeah, um, I guess good for them, and hopefully that the hopefully the the companies they acquire uh, can still continue to operate the way they want to or the way they should. Um, but yeah, like none of this really has like you know uh, it it doesn't move it, it doesn't move the needle for me. Um, but yeah, we'll continue to see as we move forward. Yeah, and I think there's also another part of this where they mention that there's another company they've acquired in this round, but they can't reveal it just at this moment. Uh, but I think the clues for it is that it would only be like the third or fourth most expensive thing amongst all of these things. So that's kind of a, a weird thing. Mm-hmm. You don't often see companies announcing acquisitions that they can't actually mention. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a whole weird thing there too. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, the Embracer Group stuff there. So we'll have to see sort of how these all fit together 
in their strategy, which just seems to be let's acquire a bunch of companies and then let them do stuff. And then we get all the profits from that mm-hmm. and money. So mm. kind of uh, an interesting way to go. Just have a ton of stuff making money versus trying to get the one big hit that you know Activision does with their Call of Duties and occasional Blizzard stuff. Yeah, uh, EA does with you know Madden and FIFA. Uh, and other companies do. Mm-hmm. Whereas Embracer Group has literally dozens of companies, if not a hundred plus, uh, various sizes and shapes, where they just get to put it out. Hopefully, fiscally makes some uh, sense there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like all of these deals combined is under six hundred million dollars. So it's kind of weird to have the Middle Earth stuff be a part of this. Mm. That seems like an IP that if there wasn't some catch to what they own, that that would be at least a billion dollars or more Mm -hmm. alone. Yep. But maybe nobody else had a a compelling interest in what it was being sold off here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm curious to see, like, in the future, sort of what this, that stake in the Middle Earth Enterprises ends up being. Because I remember back in, like, the early 2000s, there was a notion of, oh, EA has the rights to the film licenses, and I forget who else was making games, but they had the rights to the book versions. And very much one was better than the other, because nobody gave a shit about the uh, the book stuff in game form. Also, it didn't help those games weren't as good as the EA Lord of the Rings games. So, yeah, that's kind of a, a whole weird thing. So we'll have to see how that stuff goes in the future. But, uh, yeah, let's get to some other news. There is uh, the Sega Genesis Mini 2. Mm-hmm. has been... Fully announced for a release on October 27th. Uh, the way they're selling it is kind of weird through Amazon Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do know all 60 games that are in uh, this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a handful that are kind of new things that are uh, newly localized or new ports for this kind of thing. So, yeah, let's see. There's Debian P, D-E-V-I, and P-I-I. It's a paddle-style game developed by Takashi Izuka in 1993 before he developed Sonic 3. Uh, yeah, this never got released, but uh, he worked on this game, designed it, characters, sprites, all that kind of stuff. It just never got released, so people will be able to play it here in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that. Uh, yeah, there's a new version of Fantasy Zone. Uh, from the same team behind the port of Darius on the original Sega Genesis Mini. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go, Space Harrier 2 and Space Harrier. Uh, they're saying these are new ports using the sprite zoom function. Which I don't know what that means, but uh, there's Spatter. It's an M2 hobby port of a small arcade game released by Sega in 1984. The game was created by the graphic designer Flicky. Uh, let's see, Star Mobile. It's a puzzle game developed by Mindware in 1982. 
It was complete in terms of development, but never released. Uh, then there's Super Locomotive. It's another M2 hobby port of a small arcade game released by Sega in 1982. And there's Versus Puyo Puyo Sun. as a demake of Puyo Puyo Sun, only featuring Versus mode. The new world's not found in the original version. So that's neat. And then, yeah, there's the other games. Uh, let's see, Genesis stuff. There's Afterburner 2, Alien Soldier, Atomic Runner, Bonanza Brothers, Clay Fighter, Crusader Senti, Desert Strike, Return to the Gulf, uh, Earthworm Jim 2, Elemental Master, Fatal Fury 2, Gain Ground, Golden Axe 2, Granada, Hellfire, Herzog Zwei, Lightning Force, Quest, of, Quest for the Dark Star, Midnight Resistance, Outrun, Outrunners, Fantasy Star 2, Populous, mm-hmm. Rainbow Islands Extra, Ranger X, Ristar, Rolling Thunder 2, Shadow Dancer, The Secret of Shinobi, mm-hmm. uh, Shining Force 2, Shining in the Darkness, Sonic 3D Blast, Splatterhouse 2, Streets of Rage 3, Super Hang On, Super Street Fighter 2, The New Challengers, The Ooze, The Revenge of Shinobi, Tojam and Earl in Panic on Funkotron, Truxton, uh, Vector Man 2, Viewpoint, Virtual Racing, War Song, and for Sega CD stuff, there's Echo the Dolphin, Echo the Tides of Time, Final Fight CD, Mansion of Hidden Souls, Night Striker, Night Trap, Robo Lest, Sewer Shark, Shining Force, Zilfeed, Sonic the Hedgehog CD, uh, The Ninja Warriors, and uh, yeah, that's the full list. Kind of wild they go for Night Trap and Sewer Shark. Mm-hmm. Two games that are infamous for being terrible, uh, but were noteworthy because they were FMV games on a Sega CD. Uh, but mm. Super Sh- Super Shark, I think, is one of those uh, featured games, like surprise announcements, like uh, this game is awful. Uh, but yeah, people are not going to get things like the uh, uh, I forget what the some of the games that were on the uh, the Japanese version, like. Shimagama Tensei, which was not going to happen, and a couple of the others, uh, like RPGs that were on there, sort of that stuff. But it seems like a pretty solid list, but unless you're super into uh, the whole idea, that's probably not going to appeal to many people uh, for that. Because a lot of these games are available elsewhere in collections Mm -hmm. and such, so... Uh, but yeah, if you're a Genesis kid in that kind of way, this is uh, mm-hmm. a neat collection of stuff. Yeah. And one that will, unlike you know, other infamous Genesis collection, not the mini Genesis, but the other one that had been circulating for a couple years, uh, this one will not sound like shit. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. a Genesis kid, and the main appealing thing to me is... Uh, the fact that the, the design is the particular uh, Genesis that I owned. So, yeah, there's that. Um, I mean, I do kind of want this, you know, just as a, just as, you know, just, just to have it. Uh, do I see myself playing a whole lot of these games? No, not really. Um, a lot of them are not my cup of tea, but like the ones that I do see here, uh, you know, Fatal Fury 2, Earthworm Jim 2, Rystar, I uh, loved all those games. I definitely look forward to like, you know, <clears throat> uh, getting my hands on those. Um, but I, I think the key selling point here is the fact that they have all these Sega CD titles. Um, at least in the emulation community, uh, the Sega CD hasn't really been like uh, the, the, the friendliest 
um, of emulators to, to get your hands on. So I would hope that whatever they have here works and works well. Um, granted, um, a lot of these games aren't very good, except for the Echo games and Sonic. So, uh, yeah, um, it is what it is. Uh, I'm glad uh, Sega has continued this initiative and uh, is not having that one terrible company do it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's on Amazon, but it's going through Amazon Japan. So it's like a hundred. It's ninety nine ninety nine, but a twenty two dollars shipping charge uh, because you know they're only shipping it out of one warehouse, and that's over in Japan. So that adds uh, a good twenty percent of extra cost to it, which is uh, just hilarious that how cheap Sega is about this production here. Uh, hopefully everything else is worth the money for people that are going to jump into it. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That is, uh, let's see here. Oh yeah. Call to the land came out last week yep. and Devolver digital has announced that they have reached 1 million units sold worldwide mm. in its first week, mm. uh, which is great news and sort of a, a great sign for, a game like this that has uh, a lot of weird demonic stuff to it uh, while being very cutesy and having a big focus on managing this uh, little little cult village area yeah. and your little faithful followers uh, for all that kind of stuff. It seems like potentially uh, in the same realm of uh, Binding of Isaac where it's a very massively big game though the materials are very very weird and immature and uh that kind of stuff that you wouldn't expect to be a big seller or indie stuff so yeah there you go uh that game's doing really well and it's great news for for the developers there yeah cult of lamb is good um i have like run into a lot of hardware or not hardware issues but uh just um issues in general with the way it runs like on every platform I have. So hopefully those get solved, but I'm glad the guy's doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get to our last news story of the week involving Nintendo. Uh, not a good Nintendo story. Uh, it's about how testers over at Nintendo of America have apparently been having a very bad time for the last few years, uh, facing uh, lots of abuse and harassment of sorts in the way that they treat these testers who are generally contractors, uh, very much like second class workers there. Mm -hmm. So much so there's some stories here about, Oh uh, yeah. The, the full-time Nintendo employees are referred to as red badges because they have mm -hmm. badges with a big red stripe on them to signify their full-time employees. Uh, and the contractors do not have them uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, this uh, uh, that women were both underrepresented among contractors, but also often not hired into full-time roles. Uh, they had five sources who worked in Nintendo estimated that the percentage of women contractors in testing hovered at around 10% mm -hmm. based on the headcounts of their own teams. Some projects that sources worked on with several dozen team members Women on the team would still number in the single digits. Uh, this discrepancy can be explained by the fact that many Nintendo games were not tested by staff who were classified as Nintendo employees. 
They were employees who worked under contracting company Aerotech. Being among full-time employees, 37% of Nintendo America's salaried employees are women. Only 23.7% of its managers are women globally. Mm. And that's, yeah, they tend to have a hard time, like, convincing higher-ups in their departments to, like, hire them into full-time jobs. Uh, she, uh, one of the people they're talking about here, found out a more junior male contractor in her test department making $19 an hour while she was making 16 She asked Aerotech what she could do to close the wage gap and fall for a pay increase for several weeks before she finally got to $18. A woman said she stayed at the same base wage for six years until she got a higher offer elsewhere and threatened to leave. Another woman was offered double her current pay when at a different company. And yeah, that's definitely not an uncommon thing where companies will just not give you raises unless you threaten to leave. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, suddenly we have some money to to give to you uh, for this. But they do also mention for harassment stuff, like things like, hey, uh, there's not many opportunities for advancement or getting hired into Nintendo proper as a full-time position. So talking about things like, oh, they would feel more obligated to uh, maybe when holiday parties come up to accept, you know, invitations to be uh, a red badges date at a holiday party kind of stuff. Cause then they have an opportunity to, you know, network with the, the red badges and potentially move up in that kind of way. Uh, and there are a couple of people mentioned here specifically that, like one that still works at Nintendo or did fairly recently, um, while another may have left at some point in the past few years that would constantly hit on uh, the women in the testing department Yeah, that they had to, you know, not uh, report them or anything, any of their uncomfortable experiences for fear of losing their job or, you know, really setting themselves back on, you know, advancement opportunities or whatever, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's, it's a big story with a lot of uh, bits in here to uh, read about uh, all the kinds of situations, fucked up situations they had to deal with uh, throughout the years. That is just not really a huge surprise for the industry. Uh, Maybe a little bit of surprise that Nintendo of America uh, people running that place would not do anything about any of this. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd imagine some people did report this to HR and all that, but obviously HR is not there to help out the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're there to make sure the company isn't liable for uh, any uh, lawsuits or anything that could arise from this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Nintendo has followed up on this story saying they are, actively investing the claims of this, of the harassment and abuse and all this that is mentioned in here. So maybe they will finally be doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a, uh, a big story dealing with the Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, another story in the long line of, uh, developers and publishers, whether they're indie or triple A, just, you know, not really treating their workers well. Yeah, I know that they're contractors, but contractors count too, you know? So, um, especially with that uh, bunch of stories from Nintendo a few months back where 
they were saying that the contractors were put in a different building with like lesser resource, just just worse resources in order to do their jobs properly. You know, it's just, it's just rough to tell. But you know, uh, good reporting uh, by the folks that did this. You know, it's it's good to put this uh, stuff to light. And you know, it's it's as much money as the gaming industry makes. It's just tough to see that you know the employees are just not treated very well. And you know. Um, a lot of people dream of finally getting to this point, and when they see the kind of treatment that happens in other companies, it's just it's just tough to hear. And uh, uh, I hope that uh, shedding these kind of things to light and continuing to call out what doesn't work, you know, starts putting these companies in their place and really treats their their workers well. And you know, like I said, like it's it's happening to Nintendo. It's, it's happened in indie. It's it can happen anywhere, and you just hope it just gets better from here on out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully things do improve. We'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, let's wrap it up here with our uh, next round of the Delayathon, as a number of games have been delayed. Uh, a couple yeah. out of this year and a couple to later parts of the year. Uh, first up here, Deliver Us Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the follow up to Deliver Us the Moon. Uh, that is out now, I believe, on the PlayStation Plus Extra and maybe Game Pass as well, which is sort of a kind of a moon-based adventure game of sorts. Nothing like uh, uh, too intensive, but a lot of just exploring these environments, looking for uh, collectibles and uh, whatever you need to uh, do for solving light puzzles to get through uh, your areas. Uh, this one's the follow-up where they are on Mars. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it will not be releasing on September 27th. will instead be out February 2nd, 2023, Groundhog Day, uh, for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. So, yeah, that seems like a very much like a need to polish the game up here as they finish it up, as they were probably not uh, ready at all to be coming out here in another month or so. Uh, so it's good that they will be taking the extra time to finish that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I'll be looking forward to next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Deliver us Mars. Uh, next one, Evil West. Yeah. A Western, like, kind of spooky-ish. Kinda it's basically bit. Devil May Cry, but with cowboy stuff. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I got a lot of like werewolves and shit attacking you uh, in this, as well as other kind of creatures. But yeah, it's supposed to be out here in September. Uh, it's now coming out November 22nd, 2022. Uh, that'll be giving them some more time to finish up uh, their polish here at the end. So hopefully that does well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be coming out to. Uh, I believe everything, PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, maybe not Switch uh, for that, but yeah, Mm -hmm. there you go. A couple extra months to wait for that one. Uh, Another one here, High on Life, that was supposed to be out in October. Uh, Yeah, October is now being delayed to December 13th, 2022, about the latest they could delay it to. Uh, That is the uh, Justin Royal and Squanch Games. Uh, developed title that looks like maybe some form of like Borderlands or uh, Oddworld Stranger's Wrath kind of 
thing, but the gun talks to you and very Rick and Morty style comedy to it. Uh, that one's Xbox exclusive, Xbox and PC. Uh, so that'll be out later in uh, December instead of October. So wait a couple extra months and that'll be out on Game Pass as well at launch. So yeah, there you go. All right. And uh, last up here, another Xbox exclusive game, Planet of Lana, mm-hmm. has been delayed from coming out, I think, just sometime in 2022 to spring 2023. As, uh, yeah, they say, as you might know, today we announced that the release of Planet of Lana will be postponed until spring 2023. It was an extremely tough decision to make, but unfortunately necessary one to ensure the game rises to the level that the players expect and at the same time ensure a sustainable workload for a team. We hope that you understand and want to thank you for your patience. Your support means everything to us. Mm. And so, yeah, I guess it'll be at Gamescom next week to show off some more of that game. But, yeah, it'll be coming to Xbox uh, as well as Game Pass and PC spring 2023. That's sort of a cinematic puzzle platformer of sorts. So, yep. Giving themselves a few more months of extra time to keep working on that game so there you go there's your delayed games of the week okay uh, a lot of uh indian smaller devs there taking the extra time needed to hopefully get those games to where they should be yeah um i wouldn't call any of these delays uh delays that would make you know your your typical gamer like lose sleep uh, if anything these will make the people that uh stand to make money from these uh both a little bit more rested and, you know, just wondering about, you know, whether they can get these out sooner. But, you know, delays are normally good uh, for, you know, the people involved, and uh, hopefully it works out. And then, you know, you, you still have Evil West and High on Life coming out this year, so there's that. Uh, unfortunately, Evil West, you know, uh, that delay kind of, like, uh, goes against the God of War and Pokemon timeline, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that these audiences don't, don't overlap. And then... Uh, High on Life comes out at, at an interesting time. Uh, not a lot of people talk about like the December games, but also High on Life is one of those games where it's just you know, just a good, uh, good way to waste some time. And uh, I've always enjoyed the the stuff that Justin Roiland uh, comes comes out with. Uh, he, he seems to really understand his uh, his audience as far as um, the kind of comedy that they have, especially you know with Rick and Morty and the games and whatnot. So yeah, this yeah. one looks like a lot of fun and. Uh, Hopefully we're we're playing it before Christmas, but we'll see. Mm. Yep. So, yeah, that will do it for this week. Uh, Thank Mm -hmm. you to Brandon Danner for joining. Uh, We'll be back next week with a new slate of news and games to talk about. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some news out of Gamescom. Uh, Opening Night Live will be on Tuesday. We should be able to co-stream that. Uh, that'll be happening at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty decent time there for us. So, uh, But yeah, we'll have all the news from Gamescom and everything else happening over the next week uh, to talk about for next week's show. So yeah. thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family know that they should mm-hmm. check it out. And uh any uh, select strangers that will uh, be very nice about uh, listening to podcasts yeah. as if they don't already have enough to listen to, but they'll enjoy our stuff as well. So mm-hmm. uh, 
Thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope to see you all next time and have a good one.